We are two women in academia, raising questions and breaking down perceptions from a black point of view. Welcome to the Black Case Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bircher. Dr. B, we got some heavy hitters in the building today. The enemy has been busy, but he won't win. He, or he she, defeated. Or they, whatever it is, automatic they victory. Defeated. So before we get started and we bring in our amazing co-host, can you tell the folks, shout out to one of our co-hosts, what the new title is that we just came up with. Why did he He told me to stay in front of the mic, but I feel it in my spirit. I got to oh. do a little bop. Because mm, mm, it's okay, called... Bye. You you see what you feel? I it? saw the bop. I you saw, saw that? It was a little ditty bop. It's called and Nana, don't be mad because Farima gave me this. But <laughs> it's called Hella Healing Grief. Hella Healing Grief. Listen. You gotta say it like say hella, it with your chest. Hella Healing Grief. Yeah. Okay. But listen, before we even get into the mm-hmm. episode, we have to bring on Two beautiful oh my women gosh, that I am beautiful. so honored to mm-hmm. have with us today. Listen, Dr. B and I do not take it for granted when people say yes, because people be out here telling us no. I mean, we ain't going to tell y'all who told us no, but people do be telling and us no. And they know it's fine. Listen, why you got to go there? Because you took us there. <laughs> well, listen, so I have the <laughs> absolute privilege, honey, and honor, okay? And I hope you match my energy today to introduce Dr. Honey. Come Doc- on with these Doctor. headphones. Doctor. Put Come some on. respect on her name, okay? Put some respect on her Dr. Farima Poor Korshid, okay? She you is- pronounce that name. Come on, Ask name about pronouncer. Me. Ask about me, okay? She is a Bay Area educator, organizer, and scholar. She taught at the elementary grade levels in her community for over a decade mm-hmm. and spent the latter half of her teaching career also supporting educators locally, nationally, and internationally. She internationally known. Okay? Internationally known through on her ro- phone. Oh. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Through her roles as a university professor, mm-hmm. teacher, supervisor, mm-hmm. educational consultant, and community organizer. That shows you that she ain't new to this. She what? True to this. Okay. Okay. She is now an assistant professor and teacher supervisor at the University of San Francisco in California. Much of her work is rooted in her grassroots education organizing within the Teachers for Social Justice organization, the Abolitionist Teaching Network, and the Education for Liberation Network, which organizes is the Free Minds, Free People Conference. Honey, that was a mouthful, but she about that work. She outside. Outside, outside. Mm -hmm. Okay. She is committed to censoring abolitionist teaching and healing-centered engagement within and outside of the field of education. As such, she is one of the editors, authors, and organizers of Lessons in Liberation, an abolitionist toolkit for K-12 educators. Go get that book now. Okay. Um, A toolkit in collaboration with the Education for Liberation, Critical Resistance, and several other grassroots abolitionist and justice-centered collectives. Can y'all give it up, honey? For Doctor Poor Korshi, say what's up to the bring them out, bring them out. Ain't 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 ain't. Say what's up, Doctor Korshi. You gotta say what's up to the people. Before. You gotta unmute. Yes, I was on mute, y'all. <laughs> Just so excited to be in your energy and presence. Thank you for that loving introduction. Y'all are everything, and I appreciate y'all so much. Listen, Aww. we need to get 
awards just for how we introduce people. Because you know how people have people on the podcast. Okay, I'm gonna give our next co-host because see, you be going, you be going way over there, and I need us to stay way over here today. Okay, sometimes they be like, we have such and such. I be like, are you excited? But that's why you. Okay, Lord, help us today. All right, we got one more. Go, girl. Because that's the thing you was talking like we ain't got another boss. We got a boss. Of, I was about to say Rick Ross, the boss. But you know him and DJ Envy got some mess going on. So I'm just going to say we got a boss. Okay? Okay. All right. So the next person that we have. You see how I'm trying to be sophisticated with it? I hear it? you. Yeah. All right. Okay. The next person that we have is... Jari Bell. Did I say it right? Jotty Bell. Jotty Bell. You guys. Mercedes. Okay. Did I do that? Yes, you did. I did that. Okay. A beautiful soul. She is a doctoral student at Teachers College Columbia University. She is also an educator who leads through a social, racial, and moral justice leadership disposition to advance racial equity inclusion access and opportunity in education honey smart 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 okay. intelligence okay intelligente okay okay as a black I woman i don't know if that's a word or not but that's what she is okay as a black woman because i don't want you to be ugh. as a black woman she understands the impact of race and education and her passion and purpose are grounded in her commitment to disrupt racist and oppressive systems structures and policies that marginalize and minoritize black indigenous racialized students of color and Additionally, Additionally, okay, we got to add on, okay. all right? She is a public scholar who uses social media to center the brilliance and beauty of black scholars. She got a show. Listen, she got a show show. A For show real. show on sh- Sundays at 3 p.m. show. Listen, and okay, ask on about Instagram. Her. And show up. And show up. What? And be having big bosses. And big bosses. Come on. Okay. okay, anyway, come, come on. Come on, say what's up to the people. Johnny, get, get hey y'all, hey y'all, PBE. Okay, I have you know some publications too, but we only you know we only need to talk about. We'll the share that with stuff, the people but, on social you know, media. We outside, okay. Doctor Farima got all the jobs, but we out here, okay, <laughs> out doing the work, getting these gray hairs. Come on, come <laughs> a whole patch, a right whole here. patch. But before we even get into this, can I just make a comment that? When we were thinking about season four, y'all know it took us a long time to get to season four because life was life and on us. But when we were on season four, it was actually probably like two months ago. Me and you sat down mm-hmm. and I said to you, I said, Keisha, I said, we got to really be prayerful about who we bring on to season four, because what God is asking us to do on season four, it is going to be like crazy. Like whatever it is, it's going to be next level. And Keisha was like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. So she started, cause Keisha like to take notes. She's very organized me, and I'm not business. organized. So she liked to take notes. So she started us a notes and then she shares it. And I'm like, okay. So oh, she like, these are some of the topics that we should explore. And then these are some of the folks that we should have on there. And I was like, girl, I told you be prayerful about who you asking to be on here. Cause it. I don't know if you done prayed about some of these people. Stop it. But <laughs> wait, a minute but this is crazy because me and her was at ARA ARA and we called out both their names both we were in agreement like immediately we called out both of your names and so when she reached out to Farima last week and then she was able to get a super deal okay 
<laughs> you got a two for one for two us, for girl. One. This better than going to the Piggly Wiggly. Okay. Mm. You don't you don't know Piggly Wiggly? Know. Okay, for the people from North Carolina, what's up? But anyway, <laughs> sorry, with y'all. that being said, like we are just so blessed to have both of y'all yes. in this space today. Yes. And when you came on here, your energy just shifted the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, listen, friend, we got these folks waiting on us. They here. I know we're talking about something that's really, and I'm trying, I ain't got no tissue. You never um, have tissue. I, you listen, just leave. mind your neck. I'm not using my sleeve, okay? Well, then you so don't want to wipe your So we're talking about hella healing grief. So this is going to be a tough conversation. Before we even get into it, I want to share with our audience to be mindful of where you are on your journey of grief and decide within your body. Cause we talked about last week, we, the, our last episode, we talked about self care and rest decide if you're really ready to listen to this conversation. It might not be your season to enter this conversation. So I just wanted to be mindful of that as you are on your own healing journey. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, friend, we're going to get right into it. Let's jump into it. Um, Every single episode, we have the privilege of honoring the OGs, right? The people who paved the way for us to be where we are. And it's so easy for us to be like, I got here on my own. I did it by myself, but you didn't. Um, So, I want um, both Farima and Yachty um, to think about an OG who encouraged or supported you to really go on this journey of grieving, be it personally, collectively, or who has taught you about grief and healing? Whoever wants to jump in, let's just go. This question, y'all, I just want to bring my mother into this space. Mm. Um, I think it's just so important for me to bring my mom into this space because she is my introduction to grief. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but my father was murdered before I started kindergarten. Mm. And so this was my first love. She had three children by him. And so to experience that type of loss and still try to raise three young kids, um, I just, I got to bring her into this space. And I want to, honor the messiness of grief. Like my mom struggled a lot with substance abuse. We lived Mm -hmm. in a dysfunctional home because of the grief. It was hard times. Um, But I also watched as she like gave her life to God and really relied on community and sisterhood and just acknowledging that like, you know, healing grief is not linear. It is messy, it's complex, um, and it really requires community. So I just am so thankful for seeing my mother be that model for me. Mm. So shout out to mommy. And Farima, I don't want to put your business out there because you can share this or not share this. But the reason why I reached out to Farima for this particular episode is Farima had a brother who also passed away. And I had a brother who passed away. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I have been grieving my brother in a very different way. I mean, even when you said your mom, it made me think about my mom and how my mom is grieving my younger brother, like her process. Mm -hmm. And it has been very Mm -hmm. tumultuous for her. Um, Mm -hmm. to watch her yes that's my brother but to watch her in this journey and so we don't really talk a lot about grieving our siblings and so I was just so moved to reach out to you to say thank you for even sharing your brother because I post my brother Mm -hmm. every single year you know on the day he passed away his birthday but like it's Mm -hmm. just such a deep place that sometimes it's hard for me to tap in so I just wanted to share like why I felt like you would be such an important part of this conversation Mm -hmm. so Jody, I'll let you Thank go you next. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about this question, I, I have Dr. Farima to think around how nuanced grief is, mm-hmm. whether it's um, losing a part of ourselves mm. um, or losing a loved one and what that has shown us. So 
I think it's in two parts of when I started grieving um, due to, you know, personal trauma mm. of losing my childhood at five years old mm. because of something that was done to me. Mm-hmm. But also when I think about grief um, in terms of losing someone in my family, you know, my cousin was murdered mm. um, when he was very young and what my aunt taught me about grief and losing a child while I was carrying mine. Mm. Um, you know, my cousin passed away in April and, you know, I was giving birth to my son in June wow. and the the complexities of emotions that came with that as a mother that was experiencing their son dying and as a mother that was getting prepared to giving birth to her own son and how that impacted me um, and how that impacted me in more ways than one in terms of like my postpartum, in terms Mm. of what I carried, um, in terms of the way I saw collective care for my aunt, community care, honoring life, all of these things that happen culturally when we are grieving. But I think it's important to what Dr. Farima called me into when we had our live conversation is, you know, that grief is in expansive ways in terms of the ways that we identify loss, Mm. Um, whether it's people, um, whether it's an idea, whether it's Mm. an experience, whether it's, you know, a death of ourselves. I think it's important for us to consider an expansive ways in which we think about grieving, Mm. Um, you know, and how my cousin's loss also prepared me for one of the most impactful losses of my life was losing my father to a tragic accident Mm -hmm. and what I needed then as a daughter Mm -hmm. um, that was experiencing the loss of her father that she had experienced and grieved over in terms of loss of experiences and growing up in a single parent household Mm -hmm. and how I was even grieving and preparing for that, that loss Um, When then it became a physical manifestation of losing his physical being here on this earth. So, you know, I just wanted to offer that into the space that Dr. Farima offered it to me on live around the ways in which we think about like grief and healing um, and the ways in which I'm grieving right now, but it's not necessarily connected to losing someone externally Mm. but losing parts of myself that I no longer need and do not serve me Mm. Yardi let's let's stay right there let's stay right there because I y'all done got the honoring OGs and the testimony all All together it was a y'all come with a package okay (laughs) but let's stay right there because a lot of times when people think about grief and I even as I was thinking about this episode you think about it in a physical sense, like somebody's passed away, a human being, or, you know, something like that. But you're talking about another level to this, right? You even defined it for us, but you're talking about, I'm grieving things about me that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Like, what is, what, and I'm not, well, yeah, we, we I was about to say, I'm not trying to get in your business, but I am. <laughs> what is that? And what's that like? Because mm-hmm. people might not even, and the reason why I want you to unpack that is because people might not even know that they're grieving mm, that's good. something because I've had situations where I'm like, I'm really down. I'm really depressed. I had one of those moments last week mm. 
And I had to sit down and be like, girl, what's up? What's wrong with you? And I just started thinking about all these changes that are being happening in my life. And so I'm grieving Mm -hmm. the old Charmaine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm better. So don't don't cry for me, Argentina. Girl. I was. (laughs) Girl. Don't cry for me, but talk about that, please. So even last week, I think I connect to that, like of grieving this idea of me being a people pleaser girl, and how that is still painful for me because one as someone that loves people loves to be connected to people I understand that that connectivity sometimes become a dependency that does not serve me come on man and learning about healing is learning about boundaries you know, is learning about what I accept in terms of my treatment, Mm. you know, what I accept in terms of, you know, when you know better, you do better. You know, Maya Angelou taught us that. So what does that mean for me when I used to be someone that wanted to be liked desperately, even Mm. if that meant to my own sacrifice? And, you know, I was in a space last week where there was, me internally battling being like F off. Right. Mm. And also like, I want to be liked. Mm. And I realized that a lot of my emotions, a lot of my tears, a lot of the ways in which I was processing what I was going through last week is letting go of this version of myself that no longer serves me. It no longer serves me to be liked. Mm. It no longer serves me to want to appease. It no longer serves me to sacrifice myself for other people. What does serve me is leaning into my boundaries. Mm. What is it that I need in these moments? Who is my community care? Mm. Right. What does that look like for me? Right. What does it look like for me to really care deeply about people and be an empath, but also letting go parts of those things. Right. That create a dependency that then you lose yourself Mm. in relationship with other people. And so that is just like one quick um, thing that I can think about around like grieving, like, yo, not everybody's going to like you. And actually that is your barometer to understand that there's a rebirth, right? Mm, that that you're, that so you're being guided to your healing because you're shedding like a snake. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need this layer no more. So we gonna leave it behind, you know? And when it tries to creep up, you know, you go through your emotions and you sort of figure out what is it that's coming up for you in terms of this loss. And think about moving forward in terms of what does this look like in terms of your learning or your rebirth or what you're coming into that's that's getting you stronger into the place where you need to and want to be. Jody is all up in my business. Mine um, too. Listen, I was like, was you with me Listen, for real, I'm going to let you jump in on this. But I just want to share something because I think, you know, I told us this last uh, episode, but we overcome by the word of our testimony. And you're not the only person that's experiencing this, right? And so my husband and I, literally one of his friends call our house the yellow submarine. Okay, tell him stop hating. But anyway, we normally are accustomed to having a ton of people at our house all the time. Like we have a pool in our backyard. 
Shakira, all of these good things. But this particular holiday, I was like, I don't want that. And the reason why is because I know that a lot of those connections that we had previously was mm-hmm. based on our trauma, right? And so with my son coming into the world and my um, therapist always says, like, Cairo came to set everything in its right position. And so now it's, I was grieving the fact like I'm accustomed to having like 50 something people at my house, people staying over to late. But I'm like, a lot of those connections weren't really healthy for us. A lot of them, people were using us for things, whatever those things were. But when we hit a hard space, people could not show up for us. And so instead of us sitting back and saying, okay, you know, why are we so sad that these people have left our lives and not really seeing like those people left because they were only using you for something. So even having to grieve the fact that like, I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm like you. I need people around. I may always be like, Keisha, these folks. I she love be inviting <laughs> people. And I'd be like, they so random. They don't even like, why are you doing this? But it's also like connected to like the challenges that I've had with my mom and my dad not being present. And so needing that validation from other people, it's real. But now that I'm on this healing journey I can see it in real time like oh that's why you had all these people around and so now when we rebuild and people come around I'm rebuilding from a healing space but I'm still grieving that experience that we had before that makes sense you know what can I just put a plug right here that Yardi the reason why you were having so much trouble like coming in and not being able to be here you know with the good energy initially because of what you just experienced was because the enemy was trying to stop you from speaking. Mm -hmm. Like as you were speaking, I literally was processing even my situation from like last week. What God has me doing right now in life, I'm like, why you got me doing this? Because this ain't what I want to do. This ain't what I saw myself doing. Like, I don't even want to be part of this. And But then I was like, if you tell God, no, what's the, you know, what's the thing that's going to happen? So I'd rather just say yes. Right. But in my surrendering, I'm dying like the old me, right? And there's this new me and some people have fallen off because he's like, they just can't be part of this journey that I got you on. And I'm grieving that because mm. they were people that I actually liked. And it's hard for me to like a lot of folks. So like, <laughs> Listen, but there are people that I actually liked. And so what you're saying is so beautiful for me. It's speaking to my heart because grief doesn't have to, like I said before, be physical. It can be us not people pleasing. And Mm -hmm. I think in academia, if we tie this back to all of us being in this space, a lot of times I feel like we have, we feel like we have to be clicked up or in, you know, these, these edu celebs, um, you know, spaces and all this stuff, because that's the way that we're going to become successful. When the devil is a lie, there's room at the top for mm-hmm. everybody like there's there's abundance out here and so i'm really thankful for you farima i want to ask you like what are you grieving what are you, you just grie- jump right like, in or let's, just, or- let's yeah talk about it yeah i mean i know me and daddy had plenty of conversations around this in the past and so i'm just grateful for you resurfacing like so much of what um has been what i would say is seasons right like I really truly believe what I've been learning is that like there are seasons and in some seasons, like how you was talking about Keisha, like there are certain people where in a season, like they served your needs. They Mm -hmm. were there in particular ways. And I'm learning, especially in therapy, that it's like, I can, I can look at someone and realize like this person can no longer be part Mm. of this season. 
Yes. But the reality is they weren't all bad. Mm -hmm. There were elements that were triggering parts of me that I didn't like about myself, but they led me to some shadow work that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. Like, I really believe that like relationships are mirrors for us Mm. and they allow us to see ourselves in, in relation in ways that you just can't see yourself in solitude sometimes. And so I'm grateful. I release you with love. I do believe that, that grief is eternal love. Like there are parts of myself that I don't want to be ashamed of anymore. There Mm. are parts of myself that I wanted to like cringe at like, Oh my God, at this age, I was doing this. I was out here, you know, but it's like without her, without that iteration of myself, I wouldn't be here. So I'm learning how to love her too, you Mm. know, and especially friends that I've had to release with love. Like there are times where it's like, I feel better now that they're no longer part Mm. of my inner circle. And yet there are days where I grieve them. I'm like, damn, I miss those fun times. So I take moments and I acknowledge that and I send them love right Mm. from here. And I'll be like, I love you. I can't call you because I can't trust myself in Mm. like having a conversation right now, maybe in the future, but For now, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to light a candle. Mm. I'm going to be with you in spirit. Mm. And I'm going to trust that that energy is going to reach you. I hope you are well. Mm. Because the thing about grief is that, you know, people think that, like, it's temporal, right? Like, grief lasts forever. Forever. (laughs) It just just changes shape. That's Mm. all that is. And so the more that I learn to make peace with my grief and allow it to teach me, then the more I'm able to use grief as like part of my journey uh, medicinally. Mm. Like it's my medicine. It really is my medicine. It's not a burden. I don't have to be ashamed of it. Mm. I could learn from it, you know? Mm. Yeah. I'm, uh, okay, so y'all kind of touched on this, but I'm going to just make it plain. Um, and whoever wants to jump in, like, we, we family for real. How is grieving complex for black and Afro Latino folks specifically concerning our identities, community experiences, family dynamics, careers, etc.? Let me know if y'all need me to repeat that. I, I think that for me, it's culturally, it's the messiness of grief, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that the nuance of it, and again, from my conversation with Dr. Farima, is around leaning into grief and allowing it for us to teach us. Mm. Um, the grief also allows for us to see the variations of our emotions, mm. you know, and for some people, culturally, that is a dangerous thing, mm. particularly as a Black girl. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of the way that my grief looked in my childhood was very vocal, mm. you know, was very resistant, mm. um, you know, was attached to words that people um, labeled me as a malcriada, which means, you know, that I'm poorly raised. Mm. Um, that's the way that it directly translates. Right. But even in my adult life, you know what those that messiness of that emotion. Right. the the way that my rage feels and looks like, the way that my, you know, love feels and looks like, the way that my empathy feels and looks like, right? Like all the variations of my grief, right? The way that the the joy comes in, Mm. you know, even in connected to grief, right? Where Mm -hmm. we do experience joy in the grieving, right? Which I I often don't think that people also connect that. Mm. Um, I think is the messiness 
around culturally how you are allowed to show your grief mm-hmm. you know how you are allowed to feel how you are allowed um you know to to process and i think that for me as a black woman culturally specifically dominican Um, I think I have learned a lot of unhealthy behaviors around Mm -hmm. what it means for me to feel about what it means for me to grieve um, and how it's also connected to like going like in a cocoon like by myself instead of leaning into community right where culturally like this is what we do what we do but we don't really articulate that that's exactly what we're doing when we are grieving like when I think about the grieving process with my cousin everything was collective it Mm. was around food it was around gathering it was around celebrating his life it was but in terms of the feeling part that became isolated Mm -hmm. um and so how do we connect those same things in terms of like our community care and and those celebrations but also to our emotions that is also connected to community Mm -hmm. and you know i'm still grappling you know dr farima has talked to me about therapy i went to therapy i stopped um i need to go back you know i desperately need to go back um And, you know, it's something that I'm in process right now Mm -hmm. um, around being being scared Mm -hmm. around the messiness of my emotions, because Mm -hmm. for me, my emotions have always been a dangerous place Mm. Um, or been perceived, you know, in all of these negative aspects that people view, you know, all of our feelings. So I think, again, it's like nuanced around you know, the ways in which we display our our emotions and the way that sometimes those emotions are weaponized um, around perceptions around, you know, who or what we are Mm -hmm. um, and labels that are given to us, particularly culturally around, you know, what these expectations of you as a woman, you know, as you know, whatever hierarchical systems of dominance we have that 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 imply that we should behave and act in a certain Mm -hmm. way. Um, just some lingering thoughts for me around that. And as she was speaking too, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm thinking about the way in which grief is showing up in our country right now. Like Mm. we just went through a whole global pandemic and people are just like, okay, let's keep moving on. And then you see like people lashing out, you see all different types of behavior that you've never seen before. And yesterday my husband went to a cookout and he came back and he was just like, he should, people are holding so much right now he was like not to say that they weren't before he was like but just being isolated not really having spaces of community to share these things they're manifesting in ways that we never would have thought of but if you're not in community with other people you can't really support each other and when you Mm -hmm. said like that isolation part I think about especially in black communities when someone dies you get the fried chicken everybody come over like we together the potato I'm not a potato salad girl however when the rubber really heat hits the road and people are alone by themselves Mm -hmm. like that that follow-up piece is 
equally important, especially around death or any major thing, like to continue checking in with people because the grief doesn't leave just because the funeral is over and the food is put up, right? Or the house is clean. Like it continues. And it makes me think about like how people have continuously showed, like knocked on my door after my brother died. I had a best friend who passed away. Like you ain't answer your phone. You ain't answer your phone long enough. I'm up in here. What's going on? Like that is so important for us to think about that follow through because we do heal in community and it's easy to go into that cocoon and feel like it's just me nobody else is having these emotions when everybody is going through something and there are so many people who are going through very similar things as you Faruma did you want to add something to that yeah all of that and I think like specifically when you ask about like black and afro latinx folks um no, I want to just name that, like, I grieve the loss of identity that was, mm. like, forcibly erased um, by colonization um, mm. in my in my lineage, right? Like, I think about the anti-Black colonial violence that has impacted my entire lineage. Like, I have a Black Nicaraguan grandfather that was mm. put up for adoption because he was not white passing. And mm. in that process, like, he learned to hate himself. He mm. refused to identify as Black. So when you have um, a patriarchal figure that is central to your family who denies his own blackness, what do you think is going to happen with the rest of the lineage? Don't nobody want to identify as that if he don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so over time, what did that happen? What what happened to us and our family? And I remember being a little girl and being really confused Mm. at like how he would say, like, I'm not black. Look at the whites of my hands, Mm. you know, and feeling really disoriented around like, you know, we would go to Nicaragua in the summer, our family was black, like, but Mm. then they wouldn't identify as that. And Mm. at first I would just, there was a part of me that wanted to like be ashamed of them for being in denial. But then I had to realize that we don't do a good job about teaching um, the history of Afro Latinos um, in schools or even in Latin America, right? Latin America is home to the largest black population outside of Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. period. period. Right? And so, so many people that are descendants um, of Africans who were forcefully, forcibly brought over to Latin America were also denied citizenship. Mm-hmm. They're erased from the census. They're erased. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why structurally and systemically they won't identify as black because they're actually already invisibilized, you know, structurally. Mm. So when I think about the pain of, of identity, like it's even hard for me sometimes to um, feel safe talking Mm. about blackness in my family um, because of, because of, of their own denial. Mm. So I just want to like speak specifically to how difficult I think it is for folks to reclaim um, their identities when they live amidst an entire family mm. who won't do that as well, you know? Fran, I know you got the next question. I just have to share this. I'm like shaking. So I didn't grow up with my dad, so I don't really know much about him. And he's been in prison my whole life. So when I went to college um, in Atlanta, he introduced me to his sister. When I became a a teacher, he introduced me to his cousins who lives in Maryland where I was moving. And so when I met them, they knew exactly who I was. I had never seen them before. Like we just met up in a place and they came straight to me like I know who you are. And one of my cousins was like, what do you tell people that you are? 
And I was like, what? Like, I was, I was like, what? What do you mean? She was like, what are, you, what are you telling people that you are? And I was like, are you talking about race? Like, culture? She was like, yeah. I was like, have you met my mama? She black. Like, blackity black. And she was like, no, that is not who you are. Like, your dad is from Puerto Rico. Like, that's a part of your culture that you need to be sharing pe- sharing with others. And I was like, ma'am, how am I supposed to know that? If my if I wasn't raised by my daddy. And second, me telling people that I am black and my mama is black, what does that take away from what you're sharing with me right now? And so like the ways in which we have been taught to hate ourselves is so real. And my I actually went to um a birthday trip with my cousin who I've met too, who's on my dad's side. I know you all um Yadi, she told me to tell you what's up. Crystal Watson is my cousin. Our dads are brothers. And so when we went to Puerto Rico, we were like looking on a plane like there's a lot of people on here who look just like us but we have no idea of that historical you know or that familial lineage but even to meet a cousin and of course I was super excited and it you know it's not her fault she's been taught to hate herself too but for her to want me to deny who my mama is you know to be able to identify with her it was really harmful and my mom was like yeah well listen, this is all you know, and you can continue to identify with it. But I know how real it is to have to let go parts of your identity because of how we've been taught to hate ourselves. So thank you for sharing that. And I think what's really important, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. B, I think what's really important too with that is, right, the the disruption of the notion of Blackness across the diaspora, Mm. right? How just because you, just because I say I'm Dominican does not include, does not exclude me from being a Black woman. Yeah. Mm. Right? Mm. Like, I'm not African-American, right? Us identifying race, ethnicity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, nationality, um, all of our intersections of our identity, right? Like race is fixed. Mm-hmm. Our, in, our, our identities are intersectional. Mm, and so just good. because, you know, I say that I am Dominican does not exclude me from being black, mm. just from me identifying as someone that is Puerto Rican or Cuban or mm-hmm. Brazilian or choose any country, mm-hmm. even in Europe, does not include me, does not exclude me from being Black across the diaspora. There, Black people exist all over the world. Everywhere, everywhere. And so I think it's important to what Dr. Parima is bringing us to around, like, disrupting those notions, right, of anti-Blackness around us. You know, that, that was also a grieving for me is the loss of my colonized mind which Mm. brought me immense joy Mm. is knowing who I was and whose I was and the rich history of knowing that I'm from the lineage of the maroon people that Mm. I'm from the lineage of the first slave revolt right that I'm from the lineage of people that wanted to separate because of anti-blackness and what that means for me in terms of my own legacy in terms of the type of ancestor that I want to be and the way that I disrupt that the way that I think about race as as color culture consciousness right in terms of I am black period first Mm. now if you want to know my nationality you know I'll tell you you know, culturally, I'm I'm Dominican and I'm also American. So what does that mean in terms of my ethnicity and in terms of my intersection? Mm. Um, which I think that Dr. Farima is bringing us to. But just because we say that we are Puerto Rican or Dominican or insert any other country does not in- exclude us from being a part of, you know, being Black across the diaspora. Mm. 
I do is- want to say though, I'm very specific around saying I'm Afro Nicaraguan, and I want to be clear because when you go to Nicaragua, not all of Nicaragua is black, mm-hmm. and there is very real discrimination. Mm-hmm. When you go to the Atlantic Caribbean coast, where my family's from, and then travel to the Pacific side, where a lot of the mestizos are from, and so for me, it's a political act to say I'm Afro Nicaraguan to be very clear that I'm not mm-hmm. white passing mestizo lineage Nicaraguan. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which a lot of folks try to, you know, we got Creole folks in, in Bluefields. We got um, Garifona people. There's an indigeneity that is like really important to name um, and be clear about. And I also want to be honest that like with that comes disbelonging. Mm. Not every, not everyone wants to, I don't know if we can cuss here, but you know, yes. not everybody want to cuss with you. You be free. Okay? You be free. You okay. talked about this. Well, <laughs> yeah. Not everybody want to fuck with you when you want to be that real. Um, mm. And so when folks are anti-Black, then there comes some disbelonging when you want to remind mm. folks of who they are. <laughs> right? Mm. And so I think yes. there's a grieving of belonging when you have to be true to yourself in those ways. Ooh, you better Ooh. say that. Ooh, that disbelonging. Listen, Come on, friend. This this is the beauty of this conversation, though, right? Because we listen. I was over here crying. I got like <laughs> probably eye drops, tears to my face. But then it moved into this space of when you're grieving, you can also grieve the identities. And as you all are talking, like I'm listening to y'all, and I'm just thinking, even as a black woman. When you're going through this grief process, and that's what I'm moving us into our next question. But when you're going into this grief process, you, I was raised, you know, like you don't go out there telling our business in the streets, right? You, so you have been taught, let my mama find out that I was on my grandma, that I was out there running our business out there in them streets and see what would happen, right? Because there's a certain standard or, Mm -hmm. you know, stature that you got to have as a family. And so now that we're grown and y'all, we got this therapy popping and all of this, all these things that we're trying to do. And we want to be truthful and honest about how we're feeling. It's like, well, dang, I've always been told to hold in my emotions, Mm -hmm. but now I'm able to release. I want to release my emotions, but I keep like battling, which is a process that some of us might be grieving. Like I got to remember the words of what my grandma told me or my auntie told me. Right. And so I want to ask you all, how do you process grief? How do you do it individually? How do you do it in community? Like, what does that look like? Like, what what do people like? What do we do? Anybody? I could say um, my grief has changed shape over time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'll I'll mm-hmm. be the first to say that, like, when my brother died, for example, all my tools was gone. Somebody robbed them. I didn't have mm-hmm. none of them. Mm-hmm. I went into isolation mode. I shut down. Like, it's interesting to see what our trauma responses are with loss also because the way my trauma, you know, there's the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. I went straight to the freeze. Mm-hmm. I could not function. Mm-hmm. But then my sister went straight into, we organizing the most extravagant funeral you could ever imagine. And we got shifts of pallbearers and all this stuff. And I'm like, I felt a lot of shame around mm-hmm. the fact that I was angry. I didn't want certain people at the funeral. Lord mm-hmm. forgive me, but I was like, she don't need to be there. <laughs> he didn't like her no more. And she cheated on him, right? Like all the things that we do to try to punish the folks that hurt our loved ones when yes. they transition, it's the ugly sides it's that real. come out. But I had to be honest with myself and I needed to be witnessed. Like for mm-hmm. me, the act of witnessing grief Um, from yourself and letting others witness you is transformative. And so for me, therapy was where I could witness myself. 
I would mm. always do it teletherapy wise. So I would watch myself mm. as I was talking to my mm. therapist, and seeing the pain in my own eyes mm. as I would cry, as I experienced shame. And I just let it be what it was. This woman wasn't going to go speak on me, mm. wasn't going to go, you know, share the ugliest mm -hmm. parts of me. But I still got to witness those shadow parts of me that were coming up that I think were just really important for me. And when I was ready, I found community to grieve with. And so I'm part of collectives like Be Imaginative, uh, Song Remedy, uh, Black Women Healing, Village is Possible. Like I have all these different collectives that this is what they do. They grieve in community. They mm. heal in community. And there will be moments where we have a circle and, you know, someone will just start wailing. Mm. And all of a sudden, just like a sneeze, it becomes contagious. And it gives us all permission to release and to scream mm. and to cry and to punch the ground because all of those things have to be released. And what happens is so many people run away from their grief, mm -hmm. that it becomes suppressed within us. And then it turns out um, as harm. You start mm -hmm. harming folks left and right because you are angry, but you don't want to process it or metabolize mm -hmm. it. So what do you do? <laughs> you end up taking it out on other people mm -hmm. in other ways. And it becomes harmful behaviors because you are not allowing yourself to metabolize what your body needs, mm. you know? And I tell my students all the time, like when we have emotional moments and they're like, I'm sorry, I don't want to cry. I'm like, would you say that if you had to take a shit? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't take a shit. Or mm -hmm. I, you know, like your body got to release some stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason in this Western culture and society, we're supposed to feel shame for grieving. Yeah. And I realized when I started grieving more publicly, there were some folks that judged me. Like I had a long-term friend that I had to cut off because she was like, it just seems like you're trying to get attention for your grief. Oh, like you out here, confident. you out here trying to get attention for, you know, and I'm like, word, you have never experienced the type of life shattering grief that I'm experiencing now. So there's no way you can understand, but I will be damned if I surround myself by people who are going to shame me mm. for expressing the grief that I need to express to honor the person that I can't even wrap my brain around not being here right mm -hmm. now. You know what I mean? And so I think it's really, really important to like be amongst grievers, people who understand grief, mm -hmm. because if you're always around folks that don't get it, they're going to pathologize you. I remember a friend was like, I mean, it's already been two years. Like, mm. don't you think that it's time now? I'm like, bitch, I've been with my whole life. <laughs> right. Like, what? Shared a bed. Say, 20 years. Listen, shared a bed. Babe, my brother. Like, what are you talking exactly. about? But again, when people don't know, they don't know what they don't know until they know. Mm. Exactly. That's yeah. good. That's real good. Jardy, hit us up. What's up? Listen, for me, it's been nine years since my dad passed away. Mm. And I'll tell y'all a story. Um, last week, my hubby, he found some lost footage of um, my dad passed away tragically, suddenly, um, when my daughter, so I've had, I've lost two people incredibly close while almost giving birth and then after giving birth. So my dad passed away when my daughter was four months old. Mm. And recently, um, my hubby found videos of, so my sister-in-law, my ex-sister-in-law and I were pregnant 
um, at the same time. I gave birth in February. She gave birth in April. And, you know, after we had kids, I'm just giving you context. You know, I, I grew up in a single parent household. My dad was really like, you know, in and out, mm -hmm. you know, he had this mindset of like, you know, my, you know, your mom left me. So I left y'all like, she doesn't mm. want nothing to do with me. So I'm going to punish y'all, you know, in the process, mm -hmm. which was very, you know, it was very painful. And we've had some, we had some, and I say we've had, because I still talk to my dad. Mm. Um, we had some very like courageous conversations after we had kids, because after I had my son, um, and after my brother had his daughter, you know, my dad was like, this is my do over. Mm -hmm. So he was like, he wanted to be everything that he was as a grandfather, as you know, that he was that, that he didn't show up for us as a dad. And I say all that to say that, you know, recently my hubby found video footage of when my brother did um, a, a reveal that his ex-wife was pregnant and also a gender reveal. And it's been nine years mm. since my dad passed away. And to see my dad laughing, mm. talking, hearing his voice. Um, it still stings. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm close to 40 and I still need my dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still wish we had conversations in physical mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. And I think part of healing is you know, there's some carcerality that we have with healing around policing ourselves and our emotions yes. that then turn into shame. And what I've realized that has wow. been so helpful is to feel messy. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when my dad first passed away, like me in my mom's house screaming. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I needed a release you know, and people didn't understand that about my grieving process. It was almost as if like, it was heart still, heart shattering. And so sometimes I have those moments um, where I see pictures of him or videos and I have to just process however that looks for me. Mm -hmm. I have to scream if I need to. I have to cry if I need to. I have to write through it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to um, be connected to my memories because I think about grieving too is that we fear the loss of memories and experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, like this, this, this really happened. Did we have this conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, when was the last time that I saw you and felt you? Let me go to the pictures. I don't want to forget. Mm. And so I connect to what Dr. Farina is saying around like this eternal love is like you always want to remember um, parts of yourself or, you know, people that you have been in relationship with and, and in love relationship with. And so I think that for me, the way I process grief is to like honor all of my emotions, to not be ashamed of my emotions to ask what I need, um, to be able to have a conversation with my hubby to ask me first before he shares anything because I may not be prepared to receive. Mm. Um, in that moment, I may be more vulnerable in certain instances. Um, and so 
I think that for me, the way that I process is like honoring the messiness of the ways in which my emotions come, you know, connecting to healers. Like I know that Dr. Farima is saying connect to grievers, but connecting to healers and healing energy. And I see that so much in my sis, Dr. Farima, when I'm grieving parts of myself or I'm grieving an ideal or an expectations and we have a conversation or I just say, I love you. And that's it. That's all mm. I want to text or like all of the people that I'm in relationship with and connecting to those people. That is how I process, you know, the, the, the constant pursuit of knowing that I'm always grieving, whether mm. it's people, um, perception, ideas, ideology, mm. parts of myself, um, is just like, not being carceral, not mm. punishing myself, not policing myself, and then going and leaning into community that that is going to care for me and that's going to love me in the ways in which I may need in the moment just to like even say like, sis, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Like, it's okay for you to think like that. Mm -hmm. Like, we've all felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that sometimes, you know, we we think that we shouldn't be doing something or that we should not display it in this way or whatever it is. We, we police and punish ourselves for the ways in which we're showing up. And I realized that there's power in my tears. Mm. There's power in my story. There's power in my grief. There's power in that emotion um, that allows me to be connected to my humanity mm. and others' humanity, which is something also that Dr. Farima taught me in our last conversation where even in the messiness of my relationship with my own dad, through my grief, I'm able to honor his humanity. Mm. And that my God. has mm. been since the last conversation I had with Dr. Farima, something that has been really powerful for me to navigate and process. Jardy, can I just thank you for mm. your vulnerability in mm -hmm. this moment? Um, we've created a healing space, y'all. Together. Together. And we this don't... is, we were talking about um, how do people process, create you a healing space with people you trust. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, we spoke to Farima at ARA. I've never spoken to you, Jardy, not at all. Like, I follow you, but I mean, I've never, like, physically said hello to you, right? But even in this space, we've created that. And you've helped me just in this one moment. You've said something Stop policing your emotions. Your emotions. Mm -hmm. And I promise you that that's something I didn't know how to articulate what I was experiencing, but I do that all the time. You want to feel some way and then you like, nah, girl, you ain't got time for that. You got to, you know, you got to get yourself together. Or am I crazy? Because I feel like this way. Or should I be over it? Like you said, like um, Dr. Farima was talking about these like, well, it's been two years. You should be over it. And so you start to set like this, this time on your healing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just thank you. I thank you for that. Yes. Because I needed to hear. I, I, it wasn't clear to me that I needed to hear Stop policing your emotion. Cause, and I think too, 
it's a big part of our humanity. Like even when we talk about like anger, we we definitely want to police the hard emotions, right? When you're joyous and happy, be like, yes, go to that, right? When people are angry, upset, we like, okay, but don't be upset too long, right? Mm-hmm. But it minimizes your humanity. And as she was yeah. talking, I was thinking about, and shout out to your hubby, because I, I, I have to take the opportunity to shout out my husband, because right now I'm grieving. Like I have my son at 26 weeks. So it is hard for me to see pregnant women like carry their babies to full term. Like if I see a pregnant baby, like a pregnant woman, like I literally break down. And so I didn't realize I took pictures of myself when I was pregnant, but I didn't take a lot of them. And I didn't realize that my husband had been taking so many And so I told him like a couple of weeks ago, like, I feel like I'm ready, like to look at some things. And he sent me videos of myself. And Charmaine will tell you, I sent her one and I broke down because I couldn't even I was grieving so much of my pregnancy process that I had forgotten that. Hold on. Like, no, you didn't carry your son to term, but you had a pregnant moment, too. Mm -hmm. And you can take the opportunity to grieve what you thought your pregnancy would be like and to honor what it was. And so he has like a video of me walking on the beach and he's like, hey, Cairo, it's me and you and your mom, you and your mama belly. And I mean, I bawled it, but he waited until I was ready to like see that because he knew I wasn't in a place to even acknowledge that I did carry my son, even if it was only for six months. And so I feel like that carries us into our last question. This has been so like, I have goosebumps. Um, Cause we started talking about healing. If someone is ready to move into a space of healing, what advice would you give to them as they begin their healing journey? And I love for Rima, there is a book, um, out that you all should get, get called grief is love. Mm-hmm. And I think because we don't realize that grief is love, like that shame is attached to it. So how do we, I know we talked about like people waiting until we're ready, asking if we're ready before sharing things. If someone is ready to move into that space of healing, what advice would you all give them as they begin that healing journey? First of all, Keisha, thank you for sharing that. And I want to like um, give a shout out. Uh, I'm going to send this to you. So I'm going to ask you for your um, address afterwards. But a dear sis of mine, Felicia Ganglaff Bailey, um, wrote this affirmation for angel mothers, um, mothers who have had children, um, because that is still your child. You are still a mother mm-hmm. and it's your angel baby. Mm-hmm. And so Um, It's a book of affirmations that affirms just that. The society tells us that motherhood is supposed to look a particular way Mm -hmm. and nobody gets to determine that but you and your angel baby, Mm -hmm. period. And so I just, I think I want to uplift that is like, there are people that are looking for you. They want to heal with you. Mm -hmm. They want to build with you. They want to grieve with you. And how do we make space to honor our experiences in a way that invite others to honor theirs too? Just because some folks feel like, oh no, I don't do feelings or I don't do, you know, vulnerability. That's fine. There are others that that need that space to be held with you. So I would just say for those of you um, who are searching to heal, ask yourself, who do you have in your life that want to heal too? I have a whole crew where we do inner child healing. Mm. You know, and that is our focus. We have our retreats. And when I say retreats, we literally will just have a staycation, a little hotel nearby. That's a retreat. That's a retreat. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we bunk beds and we we heal our inner child together. We heal our inner teenagers together. You don't need but one other person, two other people if you want to do that in community. Mm. And so I would say, like, if you're not ready for that, 
that there are so many beautiful podcasts like y'all's, right? Mm-hmm. There's Dr. Thema's Homecoming podcast, um, Soul Affirmation podcast, where they talk about being angel parents and what it is mm-hmm. to grieve. The more you immerse yourself in the reality that what you have experienced is real and that you are not alone, whether that's in person or from afar, like the closer it'll get you to being more and more ready mm. to to being with your grief and with your healing. So I would say, yeah, that's that's what you should do. If, if therapy ain't for everybody, I just want to name that too. Like culturally, you know, in my family, like that wasn't a thing. And so if that don't work for you, there are healers in our community. There are other ways to honor. You can make your own altar. You ain't got to know all the things. Listen, and this is the thing that you said that. So when you said being community, God had already put that. So my son was one pound, 4.5 ounces when he was born. And there are other black mothers that I know have preemie babies in our journeys align, but there are no spaces for us or that those spaces aren't shared. Right. And so God had already put it in my heart. Like I'm going to put you in community with other women who have been on this journey with you where you can share those things. Right. Like this isn't something that you need to be ashamed of. Um, There are people who are going through this process with you. So I appreciate you for saying that. Sounds like that might be one of the episodes for season four. I'm just saying. Come on, come on with it. <laughs> um, I think something that I realized too as part of like healing is the power of our stories. Mm. Um, and I realized how so much of culturally growing up has been around like our silence or my mm. silence. And, you know, shout out to doing the Lord's work in this case, Audrey Lord, is that our silence will not protect us. Mm. And so how do I use the power of my stories to connect with other people that are experiencing or have experienced, you know, similar things, you know, being, sharing the story of losing my dad, you know, and what does that mean as a daughter, you know, having a complicated relationship with her father and finding Mm other people that is like me too mm-hmm. you me know too. experiencing you know abuse as a you know as a child um and sharing parts of that story right which I still have yet to shed because it's I haven't shared as as deeply I think with other stories with that yet I think I may need some professional help with that but you hear me too Mm-hmm. right um you know in terms of shedding what what it what what happens when you are a disbelonging right when you come into consciousness or dismemberment which shout out to dr cynthia dillard mm-hmm. as she talks about this in the spirit of our work right like and people say me too mm. and so i think for me, it's around like the power of my story and how that has connected me to brilliant sisters mm-hmm. in this healing journey to Dr. Farima, to you all, to even us being in this shared collective space together, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to so many of my teachers in this work, right? Familial or, you know, professional 
you know, I, I like to think that they happen serendipitously, mm-hmm. but they haven't. They have been aligned by spirit. Mm. And I'm so sure of that. And it's when I tapped into the power of my story, mm. when I tapped into the power of my emotions and not policing. And it allows for me to be in sisterhood, mm. you know, with my community. It allows for me to share things with Farima. It allows for me to share things with Dr. Love. It allows for me to share things with my sister. It allows for me to share things with my friends that my shame or my guilt um, would keep me from that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would say that we have to think about the ways in which we're doing the Lord's work Mm -hmm. and disrupting, you know, notions of silence that particularly for Black women, for Black girls, is used as a coping mechanism Mm. for us not to burden people. Wow. Farima, did you want to say anything about how people can heal that that silence as a coping mechanism? Let me tell y'all, I am the silent treatment queen. Mm -hmm. Okay? You can't out-silence me because (laughs) if I'm not rocking with you, I will pretend like you do not exist and God never created you. Shame. And I will walk on this earth silencing you. And what I learned is, one, that's a trauma response. Mm. But also, that's an ugly response. But Mm. also, that is what the enemy wants me to do. Because when you find yourself to be isolating, you're missing out on opportunities to do the Jehovah, the Mm. Lord's work, right? And so I... (laughs) Because we got two of the Lord's work. But, like, it's just beautiful that you talked about the silencing because I can think of so many other people who are like me. Queen of the silent treatment or I just want to isolate. I just want to be by myself. And in that space, you can't do the things that you have been called to do on the earth. Mm. Well, and I even want to, like, complicate that around, like, so my niece, I really want to emphasize intergenerational healing villages too. Like as a kid, I wasn't invited into the grief village. I was told to Mm. go play. I was told to like be a kid as though I wasn't experiencing the murder of my father, you know? And so with my niece, um, like I brought her into my grief village. And there's one thing that she said to me where I was just blown away by, because I was telling her, I was like, well, I just don't want to keep isolating myself. And she said, well, Titi, is it isolation or is it solitude? Like, mm, what's the difference? My God. And I had to sit there and I was like, damn, this is the power of when you grieve intergenerationally because she was able to like ask me that question that made me sit down and think, okay, well, isolation is that I'm keeping everybody out and I'm in a dark place and I'm not trying to, you know, engage mm-hmm. um in 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 that work right but solitude i could still be in relation with myself Mm. i'm doing something there i need that silence sometimes i don't need the toxic positivity and Mm. god is going there's a reason for you sometimes it's a listening season Mm -hmm. and there is a season for that too and how do we honor that in a way that we don't like shame ourselves for it but honor that like this is where I'm at right now. This is what I need. And once it gets to a point to where maybe it's tinkering, you know, isolation, alienation, something that's more harmful to my spirit than restorative, then that's where I can make a decision to invite folks in for support, you know? Mm. Dr. Farima, I love that because also I'm thinking about listening to your niece. 
What's the intent behind what I'm doing? Is it for solitude or is it for isolation? And let me tell you, I'm going to be real with y'all. For me, it's isolation. <laughs> I, when I silence you, I'm doing it to be, I'm, I'm being mean spirited and petty, but like, that's a, that's a good space. It's okay to be inside. Me and Keisha actually have been talking about going on a silent retreat. Mm-hmm. They probably going to kick me out eventually because i i'm gonna be like so we really ain't gonna be talking no but like because i'll get up in there and be like so y'all really just ain't gonna say nothing this weird but like um we've been talking about just the importance but one thing covid taught me too is i was really not liking being isolated with my own thoughts i think with people sometimes being in your own thoughts and sitting with yourself that get real real mm-hmm. like you find out some discoveries about you that you know, you might not like. Mm-hmm. And I think what Farima said too is like loving all of those parts of yourself yeah. is so important. Like it's easy to want to get to the healed you or that healed portion of you. Mm-hmm. But it's powerful to also look at the parts of you that you know need fixing yeah. and say, I love that part of you too. Yeah. Because you were showing up the best way you knew how for that particular situation. And I think that is where I am too. Like it's, I'm, I don't, I cannot live in shame. Like I did the best I could in that season where I was and no, that wasn't a healthy portion of me, but I love that girl too, because she did what she needed to do to survive in that moment. I think it's mm-hmm. super powerful. And what that. if we looked at grief as like reparation? Like I'm grieving for the ancestors that weren't afforded Come the on. ability Come to grieve. On. Like what if I grieved for all of the ancestors that needed that space and that time, right? Like mm. how different would our grief look when we see like I'm grieving for me and I'm grieving for y'all. I'm grieving for all of us. You mm. know what I mean? That's collective. That's, collective grieving. I don't know good. if that's a term, but that's what it is, right? Man, y'all, a- then people going to be like, Black Gays used to be 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now they be working on an hour and a <laughs> half. Just sit down and listen. Sit down. Just sit down and listen. You might learn this was, something. This was powerful, friend. Y'all, like, I can't wait to listen back to it. They blessed us. Blessed. Y'all, no, I could talk to y'all. Y'all blessed us. Listen. On some for real. Didn't I tell you though? Season four. It's going to be different, different. It's going to be different, different. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different, different. But listen, it's all about liberation in different seasons. Like Dr. Farima said, they look different. They look right. different. I feel different. Well, I'm going to let you take us to the the, the <sighs> second to last episode so we can roll up out of here. Listen, because we on the studio time. Hold Go. on now. So, <laughs> so, but for real, for real, we want to move into our segment. I'm trying to lighten this up, but y'all got me like, I'm it's in not my that feelings. I feel bad, but I'm in, I'm in my, I'm, I'm feeling Drake-ish. I'm in my feelings. You feeling drinking? Yes, I I'm, I'm really in my feelings. But I want to know something. What you doing with your what life? What y'all doing with y'all life? What y'all doing with y'all life? What y'all reading? What y'all watching? What y'all listening to? Give the people something. Listen, it ain't even we gotta support, be all academic. We support Ratchet TV. Bring it. Because I'm mad all. about these writers on strike. They need to do give these people uh, whatever uh, they is, need. Get in, get in I, can you? Can Listen, you let me finish my sentence? To celebrate the intersections of myself, okay? (laughs) So, and and, you know, we talk about lightening. I'm talking about an endarkened. You know, I talk about Mm. endarkened leadership, endarkened feminism. It's okay to go to the dark side, okay? Listen, come on, P-Valley. So, you know, right now I am reading Hood Feminism. Mm. I got that. You know, um, so around stories, around what that means, around what that means for me in terms of, again, ancestral work, legacy, responsibility learning more scholarship other people's stories you know and when 
And I have to listen. There's a variation. I could go from like Princess Diana with Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj. Come on, Ice Spice. Come on. Minaj. I like her little short haircut. To pride, you know, with J. Cole that calls me in when that ego shows up, mm. you know, and I'm still learning around shedding and grieving. And, mm. you know, I'm pumping that to sort of be a reminder of myself of like, you know, pride is the devil. Pride is the devil. Yeah. Yes. And I think it got a hold on me. You know, and I think it's a balance. So, you know, that's what I'm reading. I'm reading her feminism. I go from, you know, Nicki Minaj to Meg Thee Stallion Meg. to J. Cole to Lauren Hill, you know, to some, you know, Willie Colon, which, listen, to understand who Willie Colon is now to versus where he was before. Listen, because you that could be that could that be name. another that could be another episode. I'm gonna need you to text um, us that because I ain't never heard about mm-hmm. with, cologne, with no colognes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Stop. <laughs> well, anyway, so those are the intersections of all of my identities that I okay. sort of like. It depends on the mood. It depends what's gonna get me closer to healing or grappling with my feelings. But that that's what I'm getting to now, and to also like honor my boundaries. Mm. I'm in my I'm in my um. I keep getting affirmed in different ways and different the ways in which the universe is trying to communicate with me mm. that I'm in my that I'm in my villain era. Mm. Come on, Come villain on era. Listen, don't get it twisted. Charmaine and I will debrief Real Housewives of Atlanta when we leave this episode. Don't Listen, get it twisted. So, I didn't watch so it I'm, Sunday. I, Come I, on. I'm allowing the grace to 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 what that means for me in this moment. Love it. Dr. Farima, what are you listening to? What you're watching? What you what you doing love, with your life? What you doing with your life? Okay. Well, I'll tell you right now. I, I think I already mentioned her, but if folks are not ready for in-person therapy, I got a therapist for you, Dr. Thema, mm. a homecoming podcast, um, who literally every episode is a therapy session. So I highly recommend, she just came out with a book called Homecoming, which has been like really transformative. I'm reading it with friends and we just debrief on voice notes and I we'll be like, it. all right, chapter one, <laughs> like I this kid home. This. So highly recommend it. Like if you don't have space and time to do like official calls and things like that, find you a buddy to read something with and do voice notes as processing. My playlist, highly recommend Soul Development, S-O-L Development. Of course, I'm biased because these are my dear friends. But when I tell you, like, their music is everything, like, I listen to them regularly. Yes, absolutely. Also, Beautiful Chorus, everything. Geminel, Cleo Soul, Mm -hmm. Tim's. Tim's, yes. Yes, You already know. Already. So, you know, music, music is such a central part of my healing process. So I definitely, yes. and meditation Come too, through the music. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. <sighs> Free our last yeah. segment, but my, I guess all of them are my favorite. You said last week, the other one was your favorite. I like them both. But (laughs) um, in every session that we do, we want to honor people who are on this journey too. Like we have our OGs and our ancestors who are doing, who who paved the way for us to be in this space. But there Mm -hmm. are people that we admire that are on this grief journey and doing this healing work right now that we can shout out. Um, So for our segment, I see you. I see you. Um, We want you all to share like a person or two, because I do be having two people. um, They're supposed to share a person though don't be getting them to break the rules <laughs> with you um that you see that you feel like is going through this grief journey um you know somebody who's your peer and that you're watching them heal and you admire them we want to shout them out and it can be more than one i'm just petty <laughs> okay 
as you so know. I want to start by saying, um, and first of all, I love me a protocol adjacent. Like <laughs> I always disrupt protocol or like, like whatever That's it is. Um, but I do want to say, I see you, Dr. Farima. Mm. Um, and she exemplifies, and I have told her this even in my show, All Things Good in This Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that. And for her to be asked to be on this podcast, you know, around this particular topic and to say, I want to bring my sister with That's me. That's what I'm Yo, talking about. Exemplifies sisterhood, exemplifies collective work, exemplifies, um, you know, putting not a spotlight, but like, hey, my sis is also doing this. Mm. And, you know, Dr. Farima and I met before we met physically. And when I met her physically, it was everything that I imagined her Mm. to be times a thousand. And so I want to say that I see my sis, Dr. Farima, she is an incredible, incredible compass for me in this work, a North Star for me in this work, Um, someone that I'm in relationship with, and I hope to continue to deepen our relationship and our sisterhood, you know, someone that sometimes taps me into certain things like, hey, be a part of this or share the link or and I know that's how she's calling me in, whether she feels it, whether it's mm. spirit, whether it's I'm on her mind, whether it's we're sharing things on the DM, whether it's we're texting each other. Um, I just want to say that Dr. Farima is a, a human's human. Like, you know how we say like a girl's girl, mm-hmm. but, you know, we got to disrupt the notions of gender identities. She is a human's human mm. that sees people in such a deep way and I I don't think she realizes how much I love her mm. um and how much I think about her and how much I pray for her and how much she means to me um and how much it meant for me that she said hey says I don't want to do this without you we had this conversation and so I there's so many other people that I can mention that other people may be like oh she's going to mention this person but I want to honor, you know, her work, her words, mm. um, and just her goodness and her humanity, because who Dr. Farima is in her research, who Dr. Farima is in interviews, who Dr. Farima is in her work is who she is when she is existing in community with people. So I see you, sis. And I love you so much. Mm. And I wish that you live a long, healthy, healing life. Um, And I hope to continue to deepen our relationship and our sisterhood because you are a force of love. Um, And I just love you so much. Mm. I was not ready for that. (laughs) I was not ready for that. But I'm learning how to receive. So thank you so much, Yadi. Your words mean a whole lot to me. And I just think like, you know, in this field and in this work, we are socialized to be real competitive. And I just refuse to be that way in this work. And so for you to um, love on me the way that you do and just even speak those words, like you just pour so much life into my spirit. Mm -hmm. So thank you so, so, so much. Also, Keisha and Shemaine, like, 
y'all seeing us, the fact that y'all saw us before we even knew, you know, and spoke that into existence. Thank you for seeing us as well, because I just think, you know, sisterhood, especially in this work, is just so vital for our survival and for our thriving. So I want to say that and speaking of sisterhood, I want to bring in um, Carla Shalaby into this space as well. Uh, we lost our beloved uh, Thomas Nikundiwe two years ago. It was her life partner, and he was the ED of our organization. And I just think that, you know, it's one thing when you lose somebody in an organization and collective and community that you've been organizing with for many years. Like when you spoke about collective grief, like building space to grieve collectively, um, I think is just so important. So I want to shout her out. I want to shout Yaddy out, like, for giving me permission to, like, the fact that we was wearing our J's and our, you know, like, in our professional clothes, professional, whatever that even means, like, just folks that give you permission to be fully human alongside them, I think is just, like, so important in this work. And so I'm just grateful. I'm just really grateful to be able to grieve alongside y'all um, in community in this way. I don't take it for granted at all. That was beautiful. And I hope that people who are listening pay attention to what y'all just modeled. Like, it's all, like, shout out to Heidi. It's always Big C. It's always community. It's never competition. Always. And what you all just modeled for us about how you really love on each other out loud, like, so many of us need to understand that even though we're in a space that is violent, that teaches us to compete, the way that we push back and we resist is by loving each other out loud. I appreciate y'all for that. Friend, give them the church bulletin so we can get up out of here. Listen, um, I done shed way too many thug girl, tears on girl. this here podcast today. But you know what? I'm going to say this and then I'm going to give us the church bulletin. But I just want to say that you and I be loving on each other all the time, right? But to witness two other people model it. Then one day y'all are going to be in the presence of two other people and they're going to be doing it. This is how you disrupt. That's what you do. And this is how you change. And it's genuine. Like I could feel the energy Mm -hmm. is being so genuine. I told you this season was about to be different and we can't just have any old body on here. But I just... I just think I'd be shady in trying to yeah, uh, let I don't, the I don't Lord need all use that. We me. together. We took like yeah. I wasn't even shading you though. I was just, uh, just but the anyway, church bulletin. I'm, let me do the black Get church, the church bulletin, announcements. The announcements. Let me pull out the bulletin for the church. So this is what um, we gonna need y'all to do. <laughs> We need y'all to follow us on IG, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, okay? We also need you to engage with us on social media. It do be me and Dr. P running the social media. So talk to us. Don't let us be out here talking to ourselves, okay? Share this with, um, share the episodes with your folks and even your enemies. Because if you share it with your enemies, especially this one, and they start to become healed, then they won't no longer probably be your enemy. But listen, I, I always you know, I always use the word of Kanisha. Like, we don't give our enemies no, no, no space. I want God to bless them because Focus they're miserable. On the pe- Focus on so, the people who um, love you. With that being said, um, we love y'all. You want to tell us how we gonna close this Listen, here thing so out? So we gotta, we gotta close out like only the black girls can. So we gonna leave for y'all, and y'all just, you know, jump right in there. Okay, I'm gonna go first. It's your girl, Doctor Porcher, and it's your girl, Doctor Bertrand. 
And it's your girl, Jody. And it's your girl, Dr. Farima. And...